welcome back to another episode of The Extras. My name is Candy. And my name's Mike. That's right, Mike. Um, we have you here today. It's special. We don't often have you on the extras, I feel like. I <laughs> it's did, been a while. It has. I feel like I scrolled back through all the episodes to yeah. one of the first ones, and it was like, I think maybe you and Sam or something. Yeah, I think we were like the original um, guinea pigs. Uh, <laughs> the OG. All, made all the mistakes so that, you know, we could just pass it over to you, Candy, to yeah. um, just run it perfectly. Yeah, we don't make any mistakes no, anymore. No, not at all. Yeah, Infallible, at all. totally. That's right. <laughs> no, it's it was, still fallible. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, it was nice to be back preaching again uh, mm. at uh, morning church, an early morning church. It had been a long time. Yeah. Tell us what passage you preached on. Ah, well, uh, we are working our way through Matthew. This series is Matthew 16 to 18. I will build my church. And uh, I had the privilege of preaching Matthew 17, which is the account of Jesus transfiguring before the very eyes of Peter, James and John and Moses and Elijah appearing with him. Quite a scene. Mm. It's um, I've once heard it described like a laundry ad, you know, like the whites <laughs> becoming bright. So Jesus' face shone like the sun. Yeah, His clothes yeah. became dazzling white. There it was you go. Transfigured. Whiter you know? than any laundry could. Yeah, yeah. true. So obviously yeah. better better than any nappies <laughs> you could come up with. Have you got nappies on the brain, Candy? I mean, what's the story? <laughs> I've been using nappies and even before that. Right, yes. okay, nice. I nice. didn't even see the connection. Oh, there you I just go. took it as a name. There right. you go. Uh, great, great reminder of that. We've got um, a few questions coming in from the phone, so keep them coming. Um, I know we haven't been doing Q and A as much on a Sunday, but um, continue to keep your questions coming, and they will mm. be answered on the extras podcast. So the first question is: Now, Mike, you said in the sermon we believe in God because He came as a man in Jesus. This question is about the Old Testament. How does this relate to the Old Testament people of God who believed? even though obviously God had not yet come as a man. How does that work? How does that work? So even Moses and Elijah, you know, um, how did that work? That uh, Yeah, they, they were right there. there so. they're, yeah, yeah, presumably kind of in heaven and now with Jesus. And how does that all work? So the Bible uh, is a wonderful story of God revealing himself to creation, making himself known. Uh, and one way to describe it is that his revelation is progressive and unfolding. That's what my Old yes. Testament lecture taught me okay. a long time ago. <laughs> what does that mean? Yeah. Progressive. It means kind of at first, Genesis 1, God makes himself known. But Genesis 2, Genesis 3, Genesis 4, he's constantly making himself known progressively or, or increasingly or making himself better known. Yes. Um, so his revelation is progressive and unfolding. So the people of the Old Testament had this wonderful revelation of God that they could trust in, believe in, put their faith in. And that's what they did. And if you read um, Hebrews 11, for example, it's this wonderful chapter of all these great Old Testament saints who believed in the promises of God. And because of that, they are actually heroes of ours, i.e. we should seek to imitate their faith. But of course, they weren't putting their faith directly in the God-man Jesus because he hadn't come yet. Mm. The wonderful thing about uh, one thing for us who live this side of Jesus is that God's revelation of himself, which is progressive and unfolding, reaches its climax in the person of Jesus, which is one of the great reasons why we can believe in God, because he's come to earth physically as a man. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that in terms of God's revelation of himself. And so we have the wonderful privilege of seeing the full revelation. And so we can trust in that, put our faith in Jesus. Mm. The people of the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, 
they had the progressive and unfolding revelation of God, but it was still enough for them to put their faith in that and to be saved. Hence Hebrews 11. Yeah. And Abraham, for example, God told him to go out. And God promised him the land, God promised him offspring, God promised him that he would make him a blessing and a nation, and he believed in that promise. Absolutely. And went out. But that's not quite Jesus. No. Even though Jesus was hidden in there because Abraham's told he'll be a blessing to the nations, that's not that's not clear. So that's a very good answer. Thanks, Mike. Second question. Yes. Now, why did Jesus exclude the other disciples or even the crowd from the transfiguration? So we are told... Um, in the in chapter 17 that he only took with him peter james and john the question is saying why doesn't he tell the crowd or the disciples wouldn't this have convinced more to trust in him yeah good question um fascinating question really because we don't have a hard and fast answer to this one mm. i can't point you to hebrews whatever <laughs> for this one sadly yeah. yeah um so one way to answer this question is why we don't know jesus chose the three and he doesn't tell us why. No, we're not told why. We're yeah. not told why. Now, um, why wouldn't he want more to people to be there and to convince more people? I mean, that sounds logical, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, it surely does. Jesus wants to make himself known to the whole world. Why not just, you know, make himself known to everybody? Um, but there's a few ways we can kind of approach that question. One is within Matthew's gospel, uh, Right throughout, as Jesus is revealing himself, remember that key question, who do people say I am? Um, He's also revealing himself almost in a progressive, unfolding way. Um, But often when he does reveal himself, like uh, when Peter says, you are the Christ, and Jesus says, yeah, well done, Tick, God's made that known to you. And even here at the Transfiguration, um, Jesus is revealing himself, but he often says to his disciples, look, don't tell anyone yet what you've seen or what you've heard. And you think, again, well, why not, Jesus? (laughs) But there seems to be a timing issue where Jesus is waiting until his death and resurrection before he wants his true identity to be revealed to all. Yeah. We see that in verse 9, right, of chapter 17. It says, tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. There you go. So there's a timing issue there that in God's wisdom, in God's timing, um, as Jesus is revealing himself, he doesn't want the full message to go out yet. He's waiting for his death and resurrection where he's fully going to be revealed as the God-man, the, mm. the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world, the resurrection and the life, the, the way, truth and the life. And, of course, part of that also means the coming of the Holy Spirit. For the Holy Spirit could only come once Jesus had died and risen again. Mm. And really it's the Spirit's job to make Christ known to us and to the world. So why not more? Um, Don't exactly know. And yet there is a timing issue and there's a revelation issue and there's the coming of the Holy Spirit I think all those play part in why he only chose the three. Yeah. And I think there's a question, there's kind of an assumption behind this question that if Jesus revealed himself, that if the transfiguration happened in front of everybody, they would trust him. Yes. Um, And I guess my question is, what would they trust about him? Because we see that even though Peter, right, who had just admitted Jesus is the Christ, he goes on to rebuke Jesus um, in chapter 16, verses 22. He rebukes Jesus. Yes, yes. 
And then he sees the transfiguration. But then we see in chapter 17, verse 17, he's a part of that unbelieving and perverse generation that Jesus Jesus kind of condemns. Yes. Um, so throughout, throughout the whole book of Matthew, we really see judgment on Israel for their unbelief. And the disciples actually are a part of that because at the very end, even though they've been told to lay down their lives for Jesus, so they may save it in chapter 26, verses 56, we see what happens is all the disciples had left Jesus and fled. They didn't want to die with the Messiah, they'd fled. And I think this comes to, so so the, the assumption behind the question is, well, if Jesus had shown everybody and transfigured, they'd all trust him. Well, what would they have trusted about him? Because even Peter who saw it, didn't get what he came to do, that he was what the father said, this is my beloved son. Like this is my son, the conquering king of Psalm two, the chosen one, and also the suffering servant. They didn't get that Jesus is both. Mm. Um, and you see that until, of course, his death and resurrection and the giving of the Holy Spirit. So I think that possibly ties in with the timing issue as well. Yes. But like you said, Mike, I don't. We're not given a hard and fast like a <laughs> one verse. This is why Jesus said, That's like right. you know, we're not told that. But I think um, you sort of get in the context that even if Jesus, if Jesus had done that, they wouldn't have actually trusted the right thing about him. Mm. Um, mm. Which yeah. kind of speaks to the. The problem of the human heart, doesn't it? Mm. Um, I think we think that if we could just see Jesus, even now, yeah, you know, that would completely do away with all doubts. You know, it'd be easy to trust. But it's a funny thing, isn't it? The nature of the human heart, which is naturally bent away from God, could even take something that we could see with our own eyes, and we still may not get it. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit to do His work in us. Yeah. Um, because they saw it as clear as, you know, the nose on their face sort of thing. And yet they still didn't get it until the Spirit came and did His work. Yeah, that's right. Um, and so thank God for Jesus who died for us and rose for us and did the impossible to forgive us so we can be filled with God's life. Yes, um, yes. And the Spirit so we can see. Because yeah. it's sort of, yeah, and we see this in Ephesians as well, right? We're dead in our transgressions. That's it. We can't raise ourselves. That's it. We can't open our own eyes. God has to do that in us. And Jesus has to give his life. Uh, but yeah, you can imagine the sadness of Jesus because throughout Matthew, you really do see the judgment of Israel, their unbelief, you know, mm. in the temptation narrative of Matthew 4, you know, if you are the son of God and then the devil keeps testing him three times. And those three things were the things that Israel have failed in. Israel failed to trust God for provision. Israel failed to worship God. But Jesus had actually fulfilled all of those things and is the Israel um, that is meant to be the son of God who is faithful. Mm, yeah. mm. So third question and last question. Now, how did Peter recognize that the figures on the mountain were Moses and Elijah? <laughs> now, I was thinking, were they wearing the name tags that we have, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Moses and Elijah? Which was good that they picked it up at the table. Yeah, that's right. Because you know, not they, everyone does that. No, they know? sign up in the welcoming table and then they got yeah, the yeah, name yeah, tag. Yeah, nice. I wonder if it was printed or handwritten. Yeah. I don't know. Um... It probably wasn't a name tag, Candy, I'm guessing. Okay. <laughs> so, how did Peter recognise? Presumably, he didn't have a f- photo of them. Presumably, he didn't have a drawing of them. Um, presumably, there must have been something that they said. Yeah, so it wasn't recognised on sight. It wasn't like no. they, saw, they saw him. You know, it's like, ah. imagine, yeah, it's like seeing someone in Carla Court and you immediately <laughs> knew their name and who they were. Yeah. 
Well, they could have had that moment. You know that moment when you see someone like out of context, like I know that face, but like I don't know where from. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if they. No, they didn't. No, have they, that. Didn't. Okay. <laughs> they, they didn't know what they looked like. I think a beard and I don't know something probably wouldn't have been enough. To tell. Yeah. A tea towel, isn't it? Oh no, hang on, <laughs> a tea that's towel. What, that's what you that's mean. That's a kids' ministry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. kids' ministry. Sorry. Um, I assume either Jesus explained or Moses and Elijah said, hi, g'day, my name yeah. is... <laughs> g'day. I'm sure they said g'day. I'm sure they said g'day. Good Australian prophet. Anyway, um, yes, they mu- it must have been revealed to Peter, James and John that this is Moses and Elijah. It must mm. have been something in the conversation that they heard with Jesus. Um, but yes, um, apart from that... Again, not sure. Yeah, we're just told in verse 3, there's Moses, Elijah talking with Jesus. And we also have to remember that the Bible, like Matthew in writing this account, he's not giving us everything that happened in this time, right? He's writing a narrative, um, a gospel really of Jesus. Um, and so it's it's not meant to be exhaustive. And so there was probably things said in there, <laughs> maybe Moses and Elijah getting introduced uh, that, yeah, that we, we don't really know about, but somehow they knew it was Moses and Elijah. Yeah. We don't know how. Good question. Yeah, great question. So we've had three questions come through the phones um, this week and next coming Sunday, we've, we're tackling chapter 17 again verses 9 to 20. Uh, so read ahead open your bibles um, get into the word and come prepared on sunday and maybe even come prepared with your questions and see if they get answered in the sermon i've got a few questions on this passage. okay yeah, yeah, yeah there's, questions lots, have you got? Well, there's lots of good questions i mean uh, in verse 17 jesus seems to get a little upset he's quite seems almost aggressive I don't know. That's what does he say one. there? Oh, unbelieving and perverse generation. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? I mean, that sounds a little... Yeah. Now, maybe Jesus didn't quite say it in that tone. He, said, he does sound frustrated. <laughs> but he does sound frustrated. Yeah. Uh, and then he talks about faith as small as a mustard seed being able to move mountains. That's right. You go, what? I have never seen a mountain move. Therefore... Obviously, I don't have enough faith or no one else in the world. Like, what's going on with that? Yeah. I mean, should we be expecting mountains to get moved? And this sounds a little bit sometimes far-fetched, but I think back to, I forgot which church it was, but but sort of someone had a child that actually died in a church. I remember there was this movement of Ray's sort of, I think the child's name was Olive or something like that in a particular church where they they tried to pray for that. Mm. Um, should we be doing that? You know, mm. when we think about faith and moving mountains, the mm. kind of faith that is that can do the impossible, is that what we should expect in everyday life? I mean, yep. if it says here, yep. nothing will be impossible for you. Yeah, there's yeah. a few questions in this one. So have a read and come along ready to listen to God's word. Thanks, Mike. Pleasure. See ya. See ya. See ya.